This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Panther Puri, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Good evening, everybody. It's uh, another episode of Panther Puri. Jacob Langsam couldn't join us today, so it's just TJ and I taking you through today, but we do have a special guest. We have the dad from Up, David Dwork, has joined us on the podcast (laughs) today. Not Damn off. it. Oh. <laughs> Damn leave it. this in. Damn, I'm leaving no. this in. All right. I'm leaving this in. The no, I'm so excited. I was so excited to make the joke and then I blew it. No, I'm joining good. us today, we have the dad from Inside Out, David Dwork. Speaking of factual inaccuracies, Sam Reinhardt, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and we're off. And we're off, but we're going to leave it at that. David because- is already, he already is looking at the clock. He's waiting for this to be over. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's, it's been a minute since we've uh, had you on the podcast yet. I think it's the first time in the 21-22 season, isn't it? Is it really? It Maybe since be. the season started, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, no, because it. the Barkov contract was signed during the season, wasn't it? It was right before uh, the season. No, it was oh, training camp. It was yeah. training camp. So yeah, you, you, we had you on for the drunk pod. That was a lot of fun. Thank you again for joining us for that, David. Yeah, good times. Good times. <laughs> good times. Yes, it was. Um, <laughs> that was a great podcast. Great time. But yeah, no, ever since you've been on here, uh, David, the Panthers have, I, I, I don't want to say predictably, but no one's really surprised. The Panthers have been really bleeping good. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're off to their best start in franchise history. They're on top of the Atlantic. I think they're still on top of the East. Right now, uh, uh, by yep. points they are. They've got points. Yeah, points. Percentage Carolina, Carolina yeah. yeah, stupid Carolina divers. Um, but the, yeah, the Panthers are really good. They're playing really well. I mean, I think they've got two regulation losses, two overtime losses, and one and one of those came on a back to back. And hey, it is what it is. Uh, you know, just kind of give us your overall thoughts before we kind of you know dive into specifics of what's gone on in the past couple of days. Um. I mean, my overall thoughts uh, since they came back from the road trip is just it's nice to see them, you know, that it was just a little bump in the road or whatever, uh, because I, I know how good they looked, you know, going out to whatever it was 10 and one And, you know, honestly, I was kind of surprised by the reaction of fans when they stumbled a little bit, because, I mean, I, I don't know who was expecting them to go like 75-0 and 6, but 7, uh, my math is horrible. Um, <laughs> we're all trying to find the guy who did this. So, um, but no, I mean, look, they, they've been so good and their depth has been tested and they haven't really skipped a beat. When you think about like the guys that they've lost, uh, just in the forward lines, I mean, Barkov is obviously now Bennett missed time. Archari's been out since the first week. Uh, Mason Marchman's been out a couple weeks. Uh, so the fact Odell's that they've been able to time. lose guys, 
yeah, Lindell was out for a, for a week. And, and, and a lot of those guys I'm, I'm mentioning are, are centers that play down the middle and really no issues at all. It, it's not, even when they were struggling on that road trip, they were still scoring goals. So uh, it, it's just really awesome. And I always just take it, I, I keep going back to Bill Zito and just giving him credit because he's really, every move he's pulled the trigger on has been so good for the Panthers. And uh, it's great to see Alex, as you said, maybe not, expected because i don't know if anybody truly truly expected the panthers to be good just because they are the panthers and you know that's what it is but yeah i mean they've done what they're supposed to do and maybe we were just a little uh skeptical about letting our guards down and saying oh this team is supposed to be awesome just you know if you guys have been panther fans for a long time you know how it feels you don't want to get burned again i get it but i think it's safe to to you know be romantic about this Panthers team. I think they're going to be this good and they're going to get better. Believe it or not, the power play is still going to get better. The power play is not really that good right now. Um, they're going to keep getting so many, uh, the way that the totally stumbling on my words here, but um, the contributions from the back, the back line and the way that the defense are really understanding when to jump, how to jump, how to produce. I mean, every rush, when you see, as soon as they get the puck in their own end, there's two forwards and one of the D are right up there with them, creating a three on two or a three on three. And it's like really difficult for the uh, opposition to get the puck from them. They're just doing so many things. Well, it's really exciting to see. And I've rambled enough uh, off one question, Alex. Yeah. Yeah. I I want to go (laughs) off what you were saying about the kind of bump in the road and an overreaction to a stumble not just like the team in general and people maybe looking too much into the four game losing streak where they get goalied, then they lose a game on a back-to-back also kind of got goalied, uh, lose a shootout, lose an overtime to the defending two-time defending Stanley cup champions, I should say. So like all, all those losses are excusable. I mean, you don't want to say that like losing's okay in, in general, but you can excuse those losses over the course of the full season, considering the circumstances. And, you know, there was this thought that, you know, there's not going to be the same continuity going forward because they change coaches, but they come back home and all of a sudden six, one victory four one victory and uh, a convincing victory over one of the best teams in the league in the wild. And things look pretty much the same that they had, even without, you know, the coach that coached the team last year, even without Sasha Barkov, who took a pretty gruesome hit to the leg in the Islander game, and uh, the continuity of uh, Carter Verhage, who really picked up his uh, scoring in those three games that Barkov missed part, part of the Islanders game, and then obviously all of the Devils and the Wild game. Carter Hagee looked excellent in all three of those games. And now he's made his way into the top 10 and five on five scoring. Some people were predicting that he was going to have some regression in here, but that's, it's not the case. Carter Hagee is who we thought he was. Yeah. No. And, and look, he's, he's a guy who like, I mean, we talk about Bill Zito. Um, one of the guys that the Panthers targeted off the bat, when really nobody was looking at Carter Verhage, which when you when you look at his underlying numbers and when you look at his metrics, even that year he was in Tampa, it's weird that he wasn't more sought after because I mean, what the Panthers got him what two years, two million? Was that what it, what the deal the, that they signed? The exact him? same thing as the um, the Marchessault contracts, two years, one million AAV. Yeah, I mean, look, credit to the Panthers, but I think that's more of an indictment on basically the rest of the league for not going harder after this guy just, but I guess maybe that just goes to show that there isn't as much of an analytical edge 
in front offices across the league as there should be? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's an ongoing battle and we can talk for days about the, you know, how the analytics community is still kind of looked at as the redheaded stepchild of the NHL when you've got teams like Montreal and Vancouver who just kind of thumb their nose at analytics with their offseason moves. And you had the old boy hockey community saying like both of those teams were going to be, you know, strong contenders in their division. And both of them are at the bottom of their respective divisions. And it's just like, no, analytics are here to stay, guys. You know, the Carter Verhagis of the world are here to stay. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. like it's it's nothing crazy. It's like going back 50 years and saying, oh, you know, I don't want one of those stupid TVs. My radio works just fine. Like, dude, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, we're not replacing anything. This is just a better way to do it. You're a, a more efficient way. People are yeah. happy to look at stats. Like, Hey, guess what? Goals and assists. They're stats too. Just yeah. like analytics. It's all statistics. It's yeah. just yeah, different exactly. ones. New, like, I just don't understand it at all. It, 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 it's honestly, it's a bit of a fear of the unknown. It's, 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 it's simply mm-hmm. like, you know, you well, have that's these, life, isn't it? You have these mm-hmm. analytics where it's like, I don't know how we got to this meme, but all of a sudden there's this blue bar that's high. And apparently that's good where like goals and assists and plus minus it's easily counted. So people just don't yeah. like what they don't understand. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, David, we'll kind of talk about it goalie wise, like, you know, for our entire lives, goalies were judged by save percentage goals against average. And now we've got, you know, goal saved above expected, high danger scoring chance percentage, like all these different metrics. And it's like, I don't use goals against or save percentage anymore. It's you use these better stats that tell you more than just like, okay, yeah, this guy won, you know, five to four, but, you know, he had, you know, he should have get, you know, goals against, you know, expected goals in that game was six. So he really had a good night. Like the game's changed. Yep. And there's also a, problem of post hoc analysis wanting to become king people want to always wait until after the game is played to say oh you know obviously it was going to go this way for x y and z reasons and only using wins and not even really goals just just wins to say like oh well even if you got outshot 50 to 13 if you won the game one to nothing you were the better team you deserved to win you tried harder you wanted it more, et cetera, et cetera. There's, I think, a lot of cognitive dissonance for people trying to come to terms with the fact that you can outplay a team and lose, or you can get outplayed and win in the sport, and it happens all the time. But people don't want to hear it sometimes. Yeah, David, I mean, you kind of touched on it without actually getting into detail of it. Like, you saw the reaction from a lot of this fan base during the four-game losing streak. And you had people acting like the world was falling. You had people calling for coach Bruno's head saying he doesn't know how to manage the team. He doesn't know how to manage the roster. But like, if you looked at the process, the process was fine. They were still out shooting their opponents. They were up chancing their opponents. They just didn't get the results. And I mean, look, there were some things you could question about Bruno. I mean, you're on a two game skid and you send out Patrick Hornquist to try and win a shootout. Like, I didn't agree with that move. I thought that was a bad decision, but it's not, you know, people were acting like the sky is falling when the process was still fine. So it's yeah. good to see things are back on track. And, uh, you know, that was three. Jacob's going to be so upset. He missed uh, the us got talk going analytics, talking dunking on uh, the non-analytics <laughs> crowd. Yeah. At the end of the day, like, we do we agree with the horn crest thing? I mean, I hadn't even thought about that since that night, but I, no. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Like shootouts. Isn't that like just made up? 
No, at the end of the day, it's a blip on the radar of an 82 game yeah. yeah. schedule, you know, yeah. like, like if, if that's at the end of the season with a playoff spot on the line, you need a, you need the two points, no matter what, maybe the decision's a little different, but that night in that setting, Hornquest returned to Pittsburgh. Like I, I understood the move completely. Oh. Did I agree with it? No. Did I understand it? Yes. Am I going to hold the coach over the hot coals because of it? No. No. Like this is, and remember, this is like his predecessor. This is a very much player's coach. This is a guy, his team loves him and he loves them in turn. And that's the kind of thing that happens. It's not always going to be perfect decision-making. Oh, absolutely. At the end of the day, this team is so deep. They're so mm-hmm. good. There's mm-hmm. the, like, you really have to try hard to poke holes in this team. Enjoy it. Oh, absolutely. Everybody listening, just enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, they just, they just dominated Minnesota. I mean, yeah, the score ended up 5 4 because, you know, some empty net shenanigans. But like, the Panthers were by far the better team against the Wild without Barkov. Minnesota. Minnesota is the best team with their goalie pulled. I am going to go on that limb <laughs> right now and say they are the best team in the league with their goalie. They did the same thing to Tampa the night after they did it to Florida, except in Tampa, they actually pulled off the comeback. They were down two with like five minutes left, pulled their goalie, and then came back and forced that one to a shootout. So if you're playing Minnesota, you better have like a three or four goal lead and keep that goalie in the net. What a job Dean Everson has done there. He's yeah. phenomenal. No, and and the, when you talk about a deep roster, it's they've got a deep roster, but they don't have the kind of star power that Florida has. And they're just churning it out and they're rolling. And uh, a lot of credit to, to Evanson and his players. I mean, Butestead's become a really solid third line guy. It's, you talk about like a Ryan Hartman, a Kevin Fiala, uh, Erickson Eck has grown into a great player. What, when did this become a Minnesota Wild podcast? <laughs> I, Kirill Kaprizov may be the most fun player that I've watched on an opposing team this year. Oh, my God. He's always playing the Panthers. Yeah, playing the Panthers. Yeah, opposing, opposing team player. Yeah. That's what I said. No, but I'm saying there, there's no one more entertaining to watch than Connor McDavid. Yeah, yeah. I suppose yeah. not not uh, in a Panthers game because he hasn't. Well, he McDavid hasn't is yet. very I mean, Kaprizov is just a smaller version of McDavid. If you gave yeah. him, you know, another five inches and another 20 pounds of muscle, then you know, you're very similar yeah. guys. But that's what makes McDavid so ridiculous, is yeah. what he does with his size. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't want to spend this entire podcast fawning over McDavid because I will. Um, <laughs> but we, I, I, we, we've touched on it a few times. Barkov is injured. Um, you know, it, it was a pretty gruesome knee injury. I think we all immediately thought the worst, like season, season ending, like that's it. We'll see him in, you know, the first year of his new contract. And then, you know, he was, you know, walking around the locker room after the game, no brace, no surgery, week to week. He skated the other day. David, since you're around the team, what is the latest on Sasha Barkov? Yeah, he he skated again today. Um, he's uh, look, he's still week to week officially, but seeing him at the rink, seeing him walk around, uh, it certainly appears that he's for the most part okay. Like it would not surprise me at all if he's out for another week. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he's in the lineup this weekend. Uh, I, I think they're going to be cautious, which they absolutely should, because he is their captain. He is amazing. Um, but I think they really dodged a bullet there. Uh, it looked bad, as you said, but fortunately, it doesn't seem like there's anything structurally wrong with it because there's been no surgery. He hasn't needed a brace. And he's been not just skating, skating hard, uh, like pushing himself on the ice, like really going at it. So uh, clearly he was testing, testing it to see what he's doing, but he's been skating now. And uh, like I said, uh, they might hold him back for precautionary reasons, but I don't think it's 
anything that we have to be like super concerned about at this point, just based on what I've seen. I'm really fighting off the urge to be an armchair physician and say, he's got to heal, rest him. But when we don't have any idea what the injury actually is, like it's an unfortunate consequence of the NHL refusing to be transparent about injury information. And I get it. You know, if you have the ability to keep that private, you're probably going to use it, but we have no idea if it's a, a real severe injury that they're going to rush him back from, or if it's, you know, just a, a minor thing and he's probably ready to play tomorrow, but they're just going to wait and see if it uh, gets a hundred percent better. Uh, I, I, I got to fight off the impulse to say that they're going to rush him back because that's always the, the thing that you're afraid of. I don't think that you have to worry about that, TJ. I think it kind of goes against everything that this team has been kind of trending towards in terms of, just smart, conscientious mm-hmm. decision-making. Like, I mean, talking, saying in terms of like an armchair doctor, you would think that he wouldn't be working the way he was if there was anything structurally wrong, if there was any pull, or if there was any tear, partial or whatever. Like, I don't think that he'd be even on the ice right now. Uh, so I think just by, by virtue of seeing that and just kind of process of elimination, uh, you know, I don't want to throw out any possible terms or whatever, but I just think that based on what we're seeing, uh, I don't think they're rushing him back. I think it's more, it would probably be that they have to hold him back because Barkov would want to play as soon as he could. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I just think this team is too good and too deep and the way that they're rolling without him, there's, it just made zero sense to rush him back if he's not a hundred percent good to go. It's just like what you were saying about being a Panthers fan, being hurt so many times and knowing this team is good, <laughs> Yeah. but you have to see it to believe it. It's, it's the same thing. Yeah, I mean, like you guys have kind of also what I'm going to, what I've thought on this, and I'm I'm the same way as TJ. You don't want to be, you know, backdoor or backseat physician, but it's just like we've seen Barkov try to play through lingering knee issues, and while he's still a very good player, he's not the same Barkov. The only thing this team loses by sitting Barkov until he is 100% healthy is his shots at, you know, making a run for the Hart Trophy and the Panthers at the President's Cup take a hit. But they're still going to be a top two or three team in the East. Markov's still going to have amazing stats if he sits out a couple of weeks. Like, look, take until January 1st, like whatever it takes, so that when he steps back in a game, his knee is 100%. That's what the Panthers need to be doing because even if his knee is 95% and one hit takes him back to 60%, like – it's just not worth the risk. Yeah, no, totally right. And look, I think at the end of the day, you hang your hat on the fact that, I mean, what's the benefit of having a 60% Barkov in the lineup right now when the lines are humming just fine without him? I mean, mm-hmm. the fourth line for crying out loud, which was Patrick Hornquist, Ryan Lombard, and Etu Usterainen, I think they've had as many scoring chances as any of the other lines the last two games what are we even talking about here with this Panthers team? Just let Barkov chill. Yeah. And, and that's, that's something like that goes back to uh, uh, the last podcast that TJ did with Jack Han, who was talking about the Panthers. And he's like, what makes them so good is how deep they are. And they roll, you know, a lot of teams like Boston, they throw their top line out there who gives you, you know, comes at you in waves. And it's the perfect line for a reason, but then lines two through four, their goal is to just not give up a scoring chance. The Panthers attack you with ferocity. Well, all four lines. It's it's 
no other team in the NHL really can do that. Maybe Colorado, like Colorado, that's Colorado. And that's about it for teams that have this much depth at forward where they're just attacking and attacking. I mean, you were just saying, and I'm trying to pull up the stats as we go, but like you have the fourth line for the Panthers. They all have, you know, a handful plus of points, you know, 10 plus points so far on the season. You know, there were years when the fourth line combined would have about 35, 40 points. And I think they might already be at that number already. E2 Lusterarnan is aiming for that Brandon Peary Memorial Trophy because he's got six goals and no assists. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was Anthony Duclair like last year and most of his career. Like I've, I've been really impressed with watching the assist kind of pile up for Duke this year. Um, but that, that's always a funny stat, especially for a guy like Lusterarnan because I look at him more of like a possession distribute kind of guy than like a a guy with a nose for the net. Like that's something I like to see him a little bit more doing. So it's, it's just funny how the stats work out, isn't it? It is. <laughs> yeah, but you got Speaking to- of stats, let's, uh, let's bring it up. Carter Verhage, like I said, you know, is really uh, hitting hot form. And all of a sudden he's in the top 10 in the league for five on five points. And he has a, he has a better five on five points per 60 than Connor McDavid. Is he better than Connor McDavid? Yes, send tweet. <laughs> this is how I do hockey analysis based on one stat. This, this is what is X better than Connor McDavid. Yes. I mean, nobody is better than Connor McDavid right now. No. Yeah, this is where you get that you need to watch the games and not just watch a computer, <laughs> TJ. Isn't it funny about points. Verhage, though? To TJ's point, Verhage's really he- heated up heat up heated is that the right headed heated up is fine <laughs> yeah for Hades gotten very hot of late and yet he's been moved down off the top line and he's still productive because that's who he is he yeah, is he, a exceptional player yeah he he's is not, not Connor mcdavid but he's exceptional but he's also not a product of barkov and that was the thing like right. you know we had butchergrass on and he was kind of, you know, I wouldn't say take a shot at, at Verhage and Duclair, but he was just like, oh, yeah, you got Barkov and you can put him next to two OK guys and get it, still get elite production. No, Carter Verhage is a good player on his own. Like when Barkov got hurt last year, last year, who stepped up? Carter Verhage. Barkov's hurt again this year. Who's stepping up? Carter Verhage. And mm-hmm. you're seeing Anthony Duclair still put up points on his own with Barkov out of the lineup. Like these are really good hockey players. Are they, you know? First line, you know, all-star caliber guys. I don't, I don't think so with Duclair, but for Hagee, he might be. Like, can I, can I do what I think Jake would do right now in his absence? Do it. That that wild. Oh my god, what an amazing goal! Yeah, I mean, he didn't dangle through four guys, four defensemen. But yeah, that was an amazing goal. I mean, the Panthers were just highlight reels all over the place. That Ekblad play. Have you seen mm-hmm. a better pass from a defenseman in the in the last year, few years? Like dangling a guy's one hand drop pass to a tippe who comes in all alone for yeah for a goal. He goes forehand backhand. Yeah. It was pretty moved by him as well. And your boy Verhage, he's his goal was ridiculous with a guy like draped all over his back and he still has the wherewithal to cut to the middle of the ice and somehow put a perfectly accurate shot over Cam Talbot's glove. Like, mm-hmm. and, and here's they, something that I wanted to point out. Oh, sorry. But uh, Sam Reinhardt, it's been discussed that he doesn't have any points in recent games, but that play doesn't happen without Sam Reinhardt driving to the net and taking away the defenseman so that Verhage has a shooting lane. 
And he's been making positive plays like that throughout this cold point streak where he, he only has one point in his last six games, which is more than zero. Some, some people are claiming it's zero. But uh, he's still, you know, making positive contributions that don't necessarily show up on the scoreboard. No, for sure. And that's why, like, you're not hearing any complaints or any issue or anything on the Panther side of it in terms of San Reinhardt. Like, he's been playing just fine. He's driving positive play. He's doing the possession thing that they want him to do. And the team is continuing to win. His lines are continuing to produce. The points are going to come for him. And it mm-hmm. would not surprise me at all if but by the maybe the end of this year, even, he's back on the top power play. He's just too good for him not to be getting, you know, closer to 20 minutes a game. But again, just kind of like with Barkov, there's no reason to rush him back. There's no reason to put extra pressure or to push Reinhardt any harder than you have to right now. He's a new guy in a new team running new systems, and he's coming on obviously just fine because he's not hurting the team at all when he's on the ice. The points will be there. I'm very confident in this. He's just too good for it not to happen. Yeah, I'm, I don't think any of us at uh, Panther Parade, I'm speaking for TJ and Jacob here, are worried about Sam Reinhardt. Um, but you kind of touched on it in the power play, and I kind of wanted to transition to that. If there's one thing on this team that isn't humming right now, other than shootouts, which we do not uh, acknowledge, it's the power play. What, is, what are you seeing is the issue that the reason the Panthers can't get that power play on track? Uh not enough pucks to the net, I think, is the, the simplest way to put it. Uh, you know, you've got plenty of talented guys, and they're really starting to pass the puck quicker. It's not, it's not staying on guys' stick tapes nearly as long as it was earlier in the year, but I think uh, they're still trying to create those perfect lanes when, really, you want to get pucks to the net. If you, if you can get a cross-ice pass in there, great. If you can get a backdoor goal, awesome. But, I mean, just coming from a goaltender, when you're throwing pucks at me, when I have to move side to side and you give me a chance to get set, I'm much happier than – if I'm my feet are shuffling, I'm moving this way, that way, like just throw it on net. They're passing the puck really quickly. So just get some of those one timers in there. Um, but I mean, they know this too. Like the, the Panthers have talked about it. I, I can't remember who was asked about it uh, earlier this week at the uh, at FLA live arena, but there, it may have been Jonathan Huberto. They're very aware that as well as they're moving the puck in the power play, they need to get more putts on net. And really that's the only issue that I've seen. I'm going to disagree with you slightly. I do think that they have to have a more deliberate working towards that shot, like a play or like a series of passing events that lead to a shot from a specific area or, you know, multiple options for the shot. But, you know, in order to get the defense and the goalie out of uh, their rhythm, you do have to kind of make them work a little bit. And if you take a shot within three seconds of the faceoff and all of the defensemen have, you know, fresh legs and they're able to get the rebound to clear it, that can be problematic for your power play and render it ineffective. The best power plays, I think, have a way of, you know, first they disorganize the defense and then they get pucks to the net. And I don't know if I've seen enough of the first part and I haven't seen enough of the second part either. I think that, Sometimes you do just have to throw the puck at the net if you're not getting that perfect lane that you want. You know, shooting it into somebody's knees and it leads to a shorthanded breakaway, that's something to worry about. But at the same time, you know, you can't score if you don't shoot. Yeah. Side note, Keith Yandel in Philadelphia will be in town on Wednesday. Ooh, fun. So what you're saying is there should be a shorthanded opportunity for the Panthers. I I don't know what made (laughs) me think of that. (laughs) It popped in my brain all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, yeah, talking about the power play. 
I mean, I kind of agree with everyone and disagree slightly. Uh, I, I mean, yes, they need to get more pucks to the net. The one thing I'd like to see is just more rotation between the guys. Yeah. Like, like when you watch uh, Edmonton's power play, McDavid is all over the ice. Sometimes he's at the point, sometimes at the right wing, sometimes at the left wing. That whole power play, they're always rotating and changing positions. The Panthers really don't do that. Ekblad's always at the top. Hudo's always on the left side. Hornquist is always in front of the net. Sam Bennett's always the one behind the net. Like, that's it. And Barkov, when he's healthy, he's always on the right side. You don't really see guys changing places and rotating around because that's what, you know, gets these guys out of position. And that's, you know, what TJ was saying. That's what breaks down the defense so you can get the pucks to the net. And the only one who's really getting pucks to the net right now is Aaron Ekblad. So for all of you entertainment purposes, only gamblers out there, Ekblad over two and a half shots is like a stone cold lock. I'm hitting it like 90%, 90 plus percent of the time. Because if the Panthers get two plus power plays, Ekblad's getting three three shots a game, guaranteed. Uh, moving on, because yep. I know, yeah, to get to entertainment purposes only, though. Uh, moving on, because I know uh, David's got to get running because, you know, he's got a lot going on in his life. I do want to talk about Sergei Bobrovsky. He's been amazing this year. And since uh, David's a fellow goalie nerd, I, I want to just give him uh, a few minutes to talk about uh, Bobrovsky's start to the season and what you think is the change between the Bob we got his first two years as a Panther and year three, Bob. Uh, the biggest differences that I've seen uh, in Bob, uh, the number one thing is he's much more aggressive. Uh, he's on the top of his crease way more. He's using his body to his advantage. I mean, you know, he's six, two, he's got a decent frame for a goaltender and uh, his first two years in Florida, it was constantly on the, on his goal line. His skates were constantly touching the goal line. He was relying on his reflexes a lot more. And you could see it in practice too. He was constantly staying deep in the net and really just trying to work his reflexes. And I think that got him in a lot of trouble in games is not only is he behind the net or is not only is he behind the play, but also he's having to work a lot harder to move side to side when you're not taking away an angle. And uh, that's a lot of cheap goals. A lot of goals went through him. Uh, this year you're seeing him play much bigger. You're seeing him aggressive. I mean, a lot of the saves he was making uh, just the other night against Minnesota, uh, long, wrong, long wrist shots that he's sucking into his chest on the top of his crease, no rebounds popping into the corners. Um, and the other thing that he's really, I've really noticed this year, and I don't know what specifically in terms of, uh, technical changes he's made, but he's been so much better on breakaways and odd man rushes this year, uh, for whatever reason, uh, the five hole has been closed. And it's been great to see. Um, but the main thing that I know this year is uh, just his aggression. He's once again become what you see in a lot of Russian goaltenders, which is top of your crease, relying on your reflexes, not quite as much as using your size to your advantage and uh, rebound control. And we didn't see those things from Bob in year one and year two, but we we're really seeing them uh, really being performed to uh, perfection to this point here in year three. Yeah. And honestly, I think he's just calmer in net. Like we want to make the, you know, we kind of made the joke all year is like, dad, Bob, dad, Bob. I think that something changed in his mentality because you're right. He is being more aggressive, but he's just also a lot calmer in net. I mean, how often have you watched Bob and it looks like he's fighting the puck or he's just swimming in net, you know, just trying to get his body in front of pucks. Like he's just a much calmer goalie than we saw the first two years. And I mean, just cause I'm a, you know, I'm a new dad and you got a young kid. I, I say we uh, credit it to him being a new father and, you know, that's just changed his yeah. mentality. And all of a sudden, you know, we've got the Vesna caliber Bob back and it just, well, not back because it's the first time as a Panther, but it's just like, holy shit, really everything is working for the team this year. 
And it goes to show projecting goaltending is complete witchcraft. Voodoo. You, you voodoo is the term. No, I, it's, it's basically voodoo practitioning. You, you just like, there's no rhyme or reason to anything that ever happens. You know, Kareem Vimelka, some guy from the Czech League who's like 27, you know, past his primes, comes into the league, and all of a sudden he's 950 for the worst team in the league. You, you just can't explain this stuff. You can't. <laughs> Goalies are weird, and our stats are just as weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Get rid of goalie analytics, because basically you just need like a 100-sided die from Dungeons and Dragons, and that'll tell you who's going to be the best goalie. Yes, the, the Demogorgi goalie. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, that that sounded so much better in my head before it just. It was pretty fled. good though. It was pretty good. Uh, you got what real I was quick, got what I was real quick, real quick before we talk about your exciting new uh, project, uh, let's uh, let's opine on the reverse BH talk on ESPN Plus <laughs> in the Islanders game. Oh my goodness! I I think that was the reverse BH, and I don't know that reverse BH thingy. Isn't that what she said? Like she she the... was like. Kind of on it, like pretty much. I mean, he was in the reverse VH. Yeah, definitely. He was. I mean, to look, this is this isn't a knock on anybody in particular, but anybody who see hears RVH and you only get reverse, I'm not really giving a ton of credit for that. That's like, I mean, it's like picking out driver in DMV, like, which it's not even driver, it's department. So I'm just gonna shut up now. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I mean, look, there were lessons not, in thinking before you speak, not, not even it's wanting like, to spend too much time criticizing that commentary. Like, look, just for all the Panthers fans out there, we, we, we saw all the same things you did, What you got to remember is we were basically getting the Islanders commentary group doing a game for ESPN plus. That's why, even though the Panthers were up six, one, you were getting nothing but Islanders talk. These guys, they follow the, they travel around with the Islanders. They're the, you know, if, if the roles were reversed and it was Goldie and Moeller doing the game and the Panthers were down six, one on ESPN plus, do you think Goldie and Moeller would be talking about the Islanders? No, they'd been talking about the Panthers. Well, so I, I will say though, and you know, I, I didn't like the broadcast all that much either, but I will say when, when the game is six to one Panthers or the six to one, anyone, it doesn't surprise me that they'd be maybe talking up the team that's losing a little bit more considering there's no reason to actually talk about this team. So you got to try to find a way to keep it neutral instead of leaning on the winning team. However, in this case, it felt like they were trying way too hard to do that because the Panthers were beating the crap out of this Islanders team and they kind of wanted to talk up the Islanders. And like you said, that's their uh, what their uh, lean in department is. Um, so I, I don't know if they were trying to be pro Islanders as much, but I think that's, it really came across that way, obviously. And it's just gotten worse ever since Bucci Gross did play by play for the first Panthers game on ESPN plus uh, speaking of John Bucci Gross, David, why don't you tell us about your new uh, video series with five reasons and how he stole that was our an excellent segue, excellent segue <laughs> TJ. I like that. Um, and thank you very much. Yeah, Bucci was uh, my first guest today on my new YouTube show on the Five Reasons Sports Network. It's called Odd Man Rush. And uh, it's going to be every Monday at two o'clock. We're going to talk Panthers hockey. Uh, there'll be guests. There'll be uh, analytic talk. There will be some analysts, analyzations by me. But you, I mean, you guys have been talking to me for a while now. So, you know, I, I just kind of spit out my Panthers takes and you deal with them however you want to deal with them. 
Um, but no, it'll be fun. I think it's really cool to be part of uh, Ethan Ethan's network on Five Reasons. And um, no, I mean, look, it's cool. YouTube, right? More people would get to actually see me instead of just hearing me. So I guess that's a good thing. They can Are see you, you sure in that's the, the a major thing? motion picture inside out from Pixar. It uh, should, just, should be just my finds. avatar. <laughs> Go for it. Like if, if you are, are game, I think for one day, if you changed your avatar on Twitter to the, the dad from inside out, everybody would get a kick oh. out of it. I mean, it's funny it. because dude, that was my kid's birthday was two months ago and his theme at his party was inside out. So it was all the characters and every, I, I totally should have dressed up as the dad. I wish I, we, well, I didn't have the mustache back then, but now we know. Maybe one day I'll dress up as the inside out dad and just scare the shit out of my kid. Do it for Halloween next year. Hey, we're moving to San Francisco. <laughs> Isn't that the, the movie? Yeah, yeah, they go to San Francisco. Something like that. Yeah, yeah and pack, she's probably pack, a Minnesota Wild fan because they're from Minnesota. That's right. Yeah, yeah pack the hockey sticks. Yeah. Yeah, go, go Foghorns. Foghorns. Yeah, the dad at his David, face on the yes. thing. On the off chance we're getting a first-time listener who isn't familiar with who you are or what you do, can you also provide all that information? Absolutely. Um, you can find all my written work, all my stuff on local10.com. That's uh, that's where, you know, that's the station that pays me to go cover the Panthers. So that's where uh, you can find all my work. You got the Chirping the Cats podcast, which is available anywhere you uh, download podcasts for uh, my Panthers pod. Uh, as I mentioned before, the the new Mondays at two o'clock show on the Five Reasons YouTube channel called Odd Man Rush, and um, I yeah I think I think that's a, gosh that, that's a lot man I, I'm I'm very blessed to have uh, all these Panthers outlets so I hope you guys are uh, are I don't know if enjoying it is the right word but consuming it as well as you could because I, I certainly enjoy providing it but uh, we're blessed you to, to have you guys. the buffet of David Dor content to well, choose and from. thank you to you guys and. Uh, also to Jake, who's not here, um, but for always kind of having me on and talking me up and just being super awesome. So uh, thank you for that as well. Uh, Appreciate what, what, that. What a, what a, what a, what a nice sentiment, you know, as we, as we come close to Thanksgiving, but yeah, make sure you guys tune in <laughs> next week when uh, David has uh, Jack Han on because he clearly just copies <laughs> all of our guests. No, I'll yeah. be having Riley from Inside Out and uh, the anger emotion yeah, on the uh, next uh, podcast. By far the best character in that movie was anger. I would love to have Lewis Black yeah. who voiced anger. Well, I'm going to Google if Lewis Black is a hockey fan after this podcast. We're going to, we'll race to see who can book him first. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> so I, I, I think uh, we, we, we should uh, just cut it there. Thank you guys all so much for listening um you know from our family to yours happy thanksgiving everybody uh tj's mouthing something to me that he wants me to plug but i'm not seeing it so just do it tj just say it i have no idea what you're saying rate rate five stars oh, on lyft on lyft yes or uber we're, we're equal opportunity drivers here but yeah give us a rating thanks for listening happy thanksgiving from our family to yours uh thanks for listening to another episode of panther Puri. bye It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. 
trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 